Alright, and welcome back to the Rory's Nitro Podcast. I'm your host, Lee Carlos Cunningham, riding solo once again as we take a little bit of a left turn and have a look at something different today. If, like me, you keep your eye out for the classic content being added to the WWE Network, you will have been a pretty happy camper the last few months because they really have updated um, their library and really upped their game with the, the variety of shows they've been adding. And as such, we've been able to do something a little bit different today, and we're going to look at the very first episode of Sunday Night Heat and compare it to that week's WCW Thunder. So for the first time ever, we're going to have WWF and WCW's B-shows going head-to-head. So... Come along for the ride and let's see what they've got to offer and see exactly how much star power and storyline advancement they're willing to throw under their B-shows here in the middle of 1998. The debut episode of Heat was actually August 2nd, 1998, and it drew a 3.7 TV rating. Thunder was August 5th that week on a Wednesday, funnily enough, um, but I can't find a concrete source for ratings for Thunder, so we're going to bypass that one. Not that it really matters anyway, we're here to pick which show gives us the best enjoyment, so come along for the ride, we're going to get started with Sunday Night Heat for the first time ever here on the show. So Sunday Night Heat gets started with a little video and the Heat entrance theme song that I played there for you. Uh, Pretty cool opening video actually. And then Pyro, yeah, Pyro for the B show. So that was kind of cool. First person out to debut Sunday Night Heat is Vince himself. And he introduces the new host and star of the show, Shane McMahon. So for those of you that were alive and fans in the Attitude Era, Shane McMahon's commentary may be something that rings a bell with you. Particularly if you owned the video game WWF Attitude on PlayStation or Nintendo 64. Um, It's one of those things that will forever be... um, embedded in my brain, Shane McMahon saying, Kingfish, that's going to leave a mark, and um, certain things like that. So Shane coming out to join the show as a host is certainly something that I was very interested in seeing, and he is, of course, joined by a couple of attractive young ladies to walk him down to the commentary table. And this, of course, brings us to our first match of the first ever episode of Sunday Night Heat, and it will be Edge taking on Double J, Jeff Jarrett, pre-haircut by a few weeks here. Interesting notes before the match starts, obviously um, Jarrett hasn't got his hair cut as of yet and he's introduced by Tennessee Lee as the greatest singer and greatest entertainer, Jeff Jarrett. That was actually a really poor Tennessee Lee impersonation.
Edge comes through the crowd like normal, but he's just wearing a plain trench coat, not leather or anything fancy, no flashiness to him just yet. He is still pretty new to the company here. Um, Jeff Jarrett pulls that coat over the top of Edge's head to start with and begins to pound away on him. Before Edge comes back with a flapjack and a spear, no pin, just a regular transition move for him still here at this point. JR tells us on commentary that Jeff Jarrett's had a crossroads and he needs some cha- to make some changes if he's going to reach the next level. So a little bit of truth seeping through the words on the microphone there. Jeff Jarrett hits a baseball slide, and then he nails Edge with the stroke. Again, just a transition move, no pins. So the guys here foreshadowing their finishes at the moment, but not really using them as such. Uh, We get a top rope crossbody, but Edge rolls through for a two count. Jarrett nails a DDT, um, and Shane introduces us to the girls at ringside, of course, referring to King as Kingfish, as I mentioned earlier. Brings back some fond memories for me. Edge then hits the rolling vertical suplexes a la Eddie Guerrero's Three Amigos, but on the third one, drops Jarrett face first into a bit of a face buster for a two count. He then hits an inverted atomic drop and clotheslines Jeff Jarrett to the floor. Jeff Jarrett then makes a really big hokey signal to Tennessee Lee for something. They do an Irish whip spot with Tennessee Lee turning around and tripping, but it's not Edge that he trips. It's actually Jeff Jarrett and a little miscommunication. And him being tripped by Tennessee Lee is enough for Edge to pick up the three count in... A really, really shit finish to what was an okay match. Nothing special, but yeah, the finish brought it right down there. We then transition to backstage where we see a shot of Triple H, X-Pac and China all chatting together. We don't hear what they say before we go out to our first commercial break. Network, Mr. McMahon, that Triple H must wrestle X-Pac to determine the number one contender for the Intercontinental title. Now... I want to try to conduct a little interview, but before I ask any questions, I know, Triple H, you got something you want to say to everybody. You know I do. Are you ready? I think they're ready, JR. No. I said, are you ready? Then, for the thousands in attendance and the millions watching at home, and for one old wrestler in an old Liberace outfit, <laughs> let's get ready to suck it! Hey, I've been calling a fat guy in a black hat, so what the hell? <laughs> I love these guys. All right. Now... Let me, let me ask you about tomorrow night, X-Pac. Vince McMahon has ordered a match. He's ordered a match between you and Triple H. And the winner of that match is going to get an intercontinental title match at SummerSlam. Yeah. Now, isn't that going to drive the final stake into DX? King, it's kind of like this, and I think you know already. Triple H and XPAC are nothing but pros. We're going to go out tomorrow night on Raw, and we're going to rip it up. And then afterwards, we're going to shake hands. And Vince McMahon, in case you don't remember the two words, we'll give it to you again. Suck it! 
As you can hear there, tomorrow on Raw, it will be X-Pac taking on Triple H for a shot at the Intercontinental title at SummerSlam 1998, The Highway to Hell. Very interested to see who wins that one. Can't quite remember how that all goes down, so we'll have to stay tuned and find out. After this, Triple H gets back on the mic and he suggests some ladies in the crowd bare their breasts and that's exactly what they do. So on the first episode of Heat, we get to turn up the heat with some titty action there. So good stuff, Triple H. Uh, from here, we go to a little segment which um, I've not been able to find on YouTube this week's uh, version of, but it is called Draws' World. And it's a little bit of a look at Draws, some vignettes and... You know, some talking heads discussing draws, uh, talking about how he puked on Mark Henry in training. Um, and that's very politely described by Dr. Tom Pritchard. So some good character building stuff for draws. It's not really my cup of tea, but I can see where they were going with for this one. We then get to recap part one of I Choppy Choppy Your Penis, um, the whole Kai and Tai angle with Val Venus, before going to our next match, which is the Headbangers and Draws taking on Kai and Tai. Before the match gets started, Val comes out with Mr. Yamaguchi-san's wife. Um, Mosh hits a backdrop on Funaki. Draws comes in and Togo flips onto him, but it's a clothesline. In comes Men's Teo and we get a double bulldog and a two count before we go to a commercial break. When we come back, King's no longer at the commentary table, so it's just Shane and JR. Um, I get the feeling here on the first episode, they're really trying to get their feeling for what commentary team is going to work, and they probably want to change it up a little bit, but haven't really decided on where they're going just yet. Funaki misses a top rope elbow by an absolute country mile, and the heels all get whipped into each other in the middle of the ring for a bit of a comedy spot. We then get a draws sit-out powerbomb and the 1-2-3, so the victory picked up for draws. And then after the match, we see the stars of um, USA show Pacific Blue, uh, a guy and a girl. It's a bit of a cop show. I don't really know anything about it. I've never watched it, so feel free to fill me in on that one. But they're at ringside. Um, Val Venus comes over to them. Uh, the guy tries to sort of shake hands and stuff with Val, who pie faces him and starts hitting on the girl. So the guy um, from the cast of... Pacific Blue jumps the rail, tackles Val, and beats him up until security drag him away. So, yeah, I'm not really sure what they were trying to achieve there, but it definitely happened. We go to another ad, and when we come back in, we get a recap of the fully loaded bikini contest between Sable and Jacqueline. For those of you that don't remember, this is the famous scene where Sable took off her bikini and had painted hands over her breast. So, Sunday Night Heat's all about boobs so far. From there, we go to our next matchup, which is D'Lo Brown taking on Ken Shamrock, who gets an absolute monster pop. Ken Shamrock is still really over here in the middle of 1998. Um, not too far removed from being the 98 King of the Ring, actually, just about six or seven weeks out, out of that. So I can see he's still definitely a big baby face at this point in time. We also learn around this time that we're going to see Mankind and Kane taking on Owen Hart and The Rock for a shot at the tag team title. So that's definitely something that I'm interested in seeing, and that's going to be the main event on this show. D'Lo Brown attacks early but misses an elbow um, and eats an elbow from Shamrock. We get a Japanese arm drag, which was really cool. D'Lo is wearing the chest protector at this time as well. We get a clothesline on the floor, and then Steve Black uh, from Mark Emery, sorry, clothesline on the floor to Shamrock, and this brings out Steve Blackman and Dan Severin. So they're sort of building a little angle between those two and Ken Shamrock here, where they're trying to put all the legit tough guys, so to speak, together in one stable or into a storyline anyway. I don't think it really goes anywhere from memory, but we'll keep an eye on it now. D'Lo hits a second rope elbow for a two count. Ken Shamrock comes back with a belly-to-belly -belly suplex and a sick-looking hurricane rana. D'Lo pushes uh, Dan Severin, who then jumps in and beats on D'Lo, earning a disqualification for Shamrock, who's not happy about this at all. 
From here, we go into overdrive, trying to sell people on Pacific Blue. We get an ad for the show, followed by the female star backstage with Bart Gunn. Not backstage, as in she's come back after the, the incident earlier, but it's a pre-shot vignette. Basically, they're flirting and talking about Pacific Blue and Bart Gunn being a tough guy. And then they show a video of Bart Gunn knocking out Dr. Death. So, a little bit of cross-promotion there between the two. I don't believe it probably built either of them up too much, but kudos for trying. From there, it's time for our main event. It is Kane and Mankind challenging The Rock and Owen Hart for a shot at the Tag Team Championships. If you're not familiar with this period of time as well, the titles are currently held by The Undertaker and Stone Cold, who are in the middle of their uh, program on the highway to hell, which is the SummerSlam 1998 main event. So there's a lot going on here. The tag title scene was actually pretty cool around this sort of middle of 98 because we had the Outlaws, obviously, were by far and away the dominant team. There were no other teams in the division that could get near to them. So they started putting singles wrestlers together and we got some really good main events out of it. including um, Kane and Mankind were a good team, Rock and Owen Hart, Taker and Austin, um, and it really sort of elevated, in, in my mind, the Outlaws to their level, having them fighting these guys rather than the Headbangers and Kai and Ty. When the match gets underway, Owen Hart and Mankind start out. Mankind hits a clothesline before The Rock comes in, as does Kane. They exchange punches and kicks. Um, we get a huge nugget chant from the crowd, which is something they he chanted Owen Hart back then. It refers to a Triple H promo where he called Owen Hart the nugget that won't flush after the rest of the hearts had left. Rock hits a DDT on the... F- I'm sorry, not a DDT on the floor. I float over DDT for a two count. Clotheslines Kane out, but Kane does the old Brock Lesnar leap straight back to the apron, which was pretty cool, and punches the Rock. He then goes up for a top rope clothesline, and that's enough to take us to our final commercial break of the evening. When we come back, Mankind hits a double arm DDT and Kane hits a lifting choke followed by a big boot. Owen Hart hits an Enziguri and a missile drop kick, earning him a two count before Kane hits a choke slam and the four men brawl along the outside. Owen Hart doing the old Ric Flair Survivor Series 91 spot and managing to get back in before the count out. And as a result, Rock and Owen Hart are now the number one contenders beating Mankind and Kane via count out. So, yeah, our main event on the next night's Raw will supposedly be Owen Hart and The Rock taking on The Undertaker and Stone Cold Steve Austin for the tag titles. I don't say supposedly because it doesn't happen. I just haven't actually watched that episode to tell you that it did go down. I'm assuming it does, but, um, yeah, feel free to go and check that one out. And before we finish, we see Michael Cole backstage with Stone Cold, who basically says he doesn't really have a bond with The Undertaker. They're not friends. They're not together but they will defend the tag titles against The Rock and Owen Hart. So that closes out the show. A first ever episode of Sunday Night Heat was a pretty decent show. The main event was by far the best thing about it. And keeping Stone Cold till the end for just a quick promo was an interesting choice. I'm not sure if that had been shot earlier or what, but probably an in-ring promo would have made it feel like a bigger deal. But yeah, they did definitely put most of the stars on this show. So be very interested to see how long that lasts because I know it definitely becomes a BNSC show later on. But for now, we're off to a pretty decent start with Sunday Night Heat.
Thunder has a very, very dated 90s entrance video with lots of um, perfect 90s graphics and such um, to open us up. And we find out this is the last show on the Stop 2 Road Wild 1998, which, believe it or not, was a pay-per-view I owned on VHS. I was given a uh, retail copy of this for Christmas in around about 2000, I think it was. So, yeah, very, very interesting there. Australia got a limited run of WCW VHSs in a shop over here somewhere, and somebody thought I would love them and got a whole bunch of them for me for Christmas that year. Commentary team to start us off is Bobby the Brain Heenan, Tony Schiavone, and Lee Marshall, so a new voice as well for myself. And we're told, yes, the pay-per-view this week, Road Wild, is also being held on a Saturday, which I find very curious as well. So we'll see how that one plays out as far as ratings and buy rates and whatnot. We are going to see Leno and Diamond Dallas Page taking on Hulk Hogan and Eric Bischoff at that pay-per-view. And Bobby Heenan... Um, in a very sad note here, when they're doing the opening chat at the commentary table, I noticed Bobby Heenan's voice has definitely changed by this point, and I'm not really sure when he was diagnosed with cancer, but it is quite sad to hear him on the air chatting along with his voice changing right before our eyes and ears. We then get a really confusing, long explanation for why the Wolfpack um, Sting is wearing white face paint on Monday Nitro as opposed to wearing red face paint. And we get a recap of the black and white NWO holding DDP and Kimberly hostage while Eric Bischoff mocks him in the ring. After all that, we do go to our first match, which is the Giant. Yes, he's still here in WCW taking on Lismark Jr. Uh, the Giant's not looking in his best shape here. He's definitely got the beer belly and the t-shirt covering it up. Um, and the match gets started. Lismark Jr. runs straight into the Giant, into Chokeslam, 1-2-3. That is it for our opening contest. He then cuts a little bit of a promo in the ring on Goldberg. Uh, there's Goldberg signs everywhere here. This is right at the height of his WCW popularity. And then this segment ends with a Goldberg video and showing him eating the Giant's Chokeslam. So the Giant, they're trying to build up as a really credible opponent and Goldberg's undefeated streak. Our next segment is Lex Luger coming down to the ring and addressing the fact that he was attacked on Monday night by members of the NWO Black and White. He gets a cheap pop that Mick Foley would be proud of, and we get a big Lex Luger chant from the crowd. He says he wants the Black and White to take on the Wolfpack tonight. He says he saw that Scott Hall was one of the ones that had jumped him, and that he wants Conan and Sting uh, to back him up and take them on in a six-man tag. They come out, and the challenge is set three versus three in our main event. We then go to the explosion of the Mexicals, Hoovertude Guerrera taking on Psychosis. We also see Dean Malenko come out to referee, but Jericho comes out during the entrances and questions Dean Malenko's integrity. Dean just kind of ignores him and walks to the ring. He's definitely got that stone cold, not stone cold as in Steve Austin, but um, really sort of plain face, not taking any shit personality going on here. When Dean does get in the ring and the match gets start, started, sorry, we open up with a very quick exchange. Hoovertude comes off the top rope to a Hurricane Rana, which the crowd really love. Um, Hoovy's looking a little bit like the Mexican Michael Jackson at this point in his career. Psychosis hits a clothesline. Hoovertude reverses a powerbomb into a DDT, which is a very WCW cruiserweight move or early PlayStation Nintendo 64 video game counter to do. Uh, we get a Psychosis spine buster for a two count. Hoovy monkey flips, but flips over the top rope. Um, Psychosis does, sorry. Uh, Hoovy goes for a dive, but 
As Dean Malenko is looking outside the ring, Chris Jericho gets up and nails him with the Cruiserweight title. Then Psychosis gets back into the ring, comes off the top rope with a leg drop, and Jericho screams for Dean Malenko to count him down, which he does for the 1-2-3. Um, and yeah, we see Dean Malenko is inadvertently cost Psychosis, um, cost, sorry, Hoover to the match, and Jericho is happy about that. When we do see a replay, it is, of course, a sponsored replay, which was a big thing back here, and it's the Master Lock Lock of the Night. So there you go. That's going to date this a little bit more. And from there, to date it even further, we have a Slim Jim commercial with the Macho Man Randy Savage. After all that's said and done, we go to the NWO Nightcap, which, if you've never heard of this, is essentially Eric Bischoff ripping off Jay Leno's Tonight Show jokes. Um, These segments really did bore the shit out of anyone that watched them, and... Yeah, it got good heat for Bischoff, but I imagine a lot of people either stop watching or change the channel as well. Um, he's got a band to play him in, just like Leno, and he cracks really, really shit jokes to a horrible laugh track. I can only imagine being sat in the arena having to watch this, because it was pretty brutal. The one saving grace, however, is it does come with a really good payoff that the crowd pop huge for at the end of this segment. And uh, you know what? I got a very special deal that I want to make for Kimberly. This is very special because it's time to get a little serious here. Kimberly, we're going to make you a deal. If you don't come into the ring with us, we won't sit at the end of the bed while you're working. There's not a three-straight-thinking man here that can blame him. So much for Nightcap! Bischoff will never make Sturgis if they don't pull Diamond Dallas off him. He's gonna end it right here for him. You're exactly right. Finally! They realize what's happening here right now. Casper police force on hand here. I've never seen a man that angry. So yeah, the payoff to all that is DDP runs out and beats the ever-living shit out of Eric Bischoff to a huge pop from the crowd. Um, Bischoff is left laying as the cops drag DDP away, and that ends the segment. When we come back, the giant comes out and essentially carries a limp Eric Bischoff to the back. And we get an ad for WCW Saturday Night, and it's mentioned somewhere in amongst here that Hulk Hogan has seen this and is now on his way to the building to sort shit out. After that really cool uh, moment, we go to something not so cool. It is Meng versus Hacksaw Jim Duggan. That's right. In August of 1998, this was still a match that was happening. This was a match that I didn't really care for 10 years prior in the WWF. And yeah, I don't think time is going to make this one look better somehow. When the match does get going, it's exactly what you'd think it would be. It's a bit of a brawl. It's slow. It's sloppy. We get a nerve hold by Mang, a knee, a choke, a 10 punch from Duggan in the corner. Um, he shows his ass for some reason, which is as white as you would expect it to be. But then Jimmy Hart brings out the Barbarian and Hugh Morris, who attack Meng. Jimmy Hart comes off the top rope with a 2 by 4 which is a little bit comical, uh, before Hacksaw saves Meng and... Um, does some really comedy cheesy swings with the two by four and then Meng chases them off for real. It was just 
yeah, abysmal all round, and we go to a commercial break with it not needing to say any more about that. When we come out, it's the NWO Black and White's turn to come out and answer the challenge from earlier. It's Rude, Perfect, Hall, um, Adams, Virgil, and Scott Norton. Hall um, hands his drink to Virgil, and then Rude threatens Goldberg on behalf of Mr. Perfect. Hall says that the Wolfpack have a yeast infection, which is quite classy, and says that Lex Luger was on Queer Street and liking it. Yes, so um, different times, folks, different times. From there, we go to Stevie Ray taking on Steve Mongo McMichael. Uh, Mongo runs out, and Stevie Ray is the champ on behalf, sorry, the TV champ on behalf of his injured brother, Booker T, apparently, by power of attorney. So this was a bit of a convoluted mess that I was trying to catch up on as I was watching this and figure it all out. Um, we get a high kick and a slam before we get a back suplex by Mongo and some tackles to Stevie Ray's knee. Stevie Ray um, kicks him and then goes for the wrist before Chavo Guerrero comes out and he says he now has the notori- notoriety... I don't even... Notary. <laughs> what am I doing? Chavo comes out and he's got the notary stamp, which means he now somehow has power of attorney. I'm confused in more ways than one here. And he stamps a form that makes him the TV champion and runs off with the belt, um, but doesn't get too far. We end up with a three-way brawl, and the match officially is ended by count-out. So, yeah, this was as bad as I made it sound, really. Trust me, it was. From there, Tony Schiavone... Tony Schiavone? I can't talk today at all. Tony Schiavone brings out Rick Steiner, who discusses a split with his brother Scott, says he wants to face Scott Steiner at Hogwild, cuts a really redneck promo on him, um, and just basically challenges him to a fight. We go to a commercial, and when we come back, Mike Tanay takes Lee Marshall's spot at the commentary booth, and we get a short video on Arn Anderson. After that, our next matchup is Saturn taking on Riggs and Sick Boy in a handicap match. Saturn unloads on both of them um, and basically sends one to the outside and beats on the other one. Before they get back in control, they hit a nice missile drop kick and a suplex. Uh, they really botch a back elbow spot, uh, hitting the wrong man. Before Saturn hits a nice German suplex, a super kick, and a Death Valley driver for a three count. This brings out the leader of the flock, Raven, who brawls with Saturn and hits him with his even flow DDT finisher. From there, our next matchup is Disco Inferno taking on Eddie Guerrero. This is something I had high hopes for. Disco Inferno is a bit of a cheesy character, but he can have some decent matches, and Guerrero in this period of time was a beast. Uh, Disco Inferno, of course, brings out with him Tokyo Magnum, who is someone I had actually never heard of before watching this show. So if anyone has any favorite Tokyo Magnum memories, feel free to send them into the show. Shivani tells us as well, next week, Bret Hart, the US champ, will defend against Lex Luger. So looking forward to that one. We get started in the match with Eddie hitting a tilt world backbreaker before Disco Inferno hits a pile driver in like the first minute of the match. So, yeah, definitely a transition move here. He does get a two count from it, but still, it's 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 not a good way to open a match. Uh, we get a swinging neck breaker for a two before Guerrero fights back with a back elbow and a shoulder breaker. Tokyo Magnum tries to distract Guerrero, but it backfires on him. This allows Eddie to hit a brain buster and goes up top, but Tokyo Magnum pushes him off. Um turns to um, the push, however, Eddie Guerrero turns into a frog splash as Tokyo Magnum turns around um, celebrating and Guerrero picks up the three count with the assist, I guess, from Tokyo Magnum. 
from here we get a phone call from Buff Bagwell to the commentary team. Very, very 90s that, people calling in on the phone to the commentary team. Um, he talks about Rick Steiner. Um, this, sorry, no, this brings out Rick Steiner, who he's talking about, who puts a headset on to listen to the phone call at the commentary table. It's a bit of an awkward moment. Um, yeah, and this goes on and on. It's not great. Uh, the key takeaway from it is Bagwell is claiming Scott Steiner has an injury and cannot wrestle Rick Steiner at Road Wild. So he's essentially trying to weasel his way out of the match here. There, he'll be in ringside this Saturday against Jay Leno, DDP, and of course, Kevin Evans will be in ringside with them. Diamond Dallas Page, you finally drew the straw to break your own back. You know, brother, when I headed out from Denver, Colorado today on the NWO chopper, I had the HH on one side, Zito Man from New York City, and the Road Dog Mel, the HH from the Windy City on the other. And as we went down the interstate, Kimberly was straddling my fender with nothing but a T-back on, brother. And we were getting stares, and we were getting glares. But as we got closer to thunder tonight, something was starting to happen. Motorcycle after motorcycle was following me and the boss and the disciple. And they were talking, but we couldn't hear because of the rumble of our pipes. And as I came in the building, brother, I found out the boss took off ahead of me to check out everything that was going on. And as he got way down the road, brother, he pulled in the thunder to lay the red carpet out for Hollywood. And Diamond Dallas Page, when you jumped on the boss, it took everything I could do to hold the brotherhood back, to make sure they didn't beat you up before you get to Sturgis. But the way all these NWOites feel, the way all my people feel that worship the ground I walk on, I can't even guarantee the big man upstairs himself that you're going to end up in Sturgis Diamond, that you're even going to get there without two broken legs or in an ambulance. But I got one thing to say, Diamond Dallas Page. If by some grace of God, you do end up in Sturgis, when you get in the ring, I'm going to break every single bone in your body one by one, as slowly as I can. It will be the snap, the crackle, the pop heard around the world, brother. And Kimberly, oh yeah, baby doll, I'm gonna break his neck just for you. You're right, he's the most disgusting human being I've ever seen. And boss, as far as Jay Leno goes, I know you're going to rise to the occasion. I know that you're going to chop him in half. I know that you're going to take over the whole late night scene with your brand new program. But after I put Diamond Dallas Page in a box, do me one favor, boss. Give me Jay Leno and let me take that neck that doesn't have a chin and let me snap his neck just for self-satisfaction. Because brothers, when you mess with NWO Hollywood, when you mess with the man that made wrestling what it is today, with your friend or foe 
you stand in my spotlight, you have a moment of greatness. And if you're my enemy, it turns in to a lifetime of disaster. Because Leno, you and Paige, I already ordered a couple pine boxes for you guys. Because when you mess with Hollywood, you go down, not for good, but you go down for life. After Hogan's long-winded promo you hear here, he then spits directly into the camera, which is quite disgusting to end the segment. And it's time for our last commercial break and main event of the evening. The main event, of course, is Scott Hall, Kurt Hennig, and Brian Adams taking on Conan, Sting, and Lex Luger. In a six-man brawl, this one starts off, all men going at it. Lex Luger hits an atomic drop and a clothesline for a two. Hennig comes in and Lex clotheslines him for good measure. Adams and Conan get in, uh, but they're not in there for long before Hennig's back in the ring. Um, we get a knee lift from Hennig, and Scott Hall comes in for some punches and the big SOS slam. We get a pretty decent wolf pack chant from the crowd, so the red and black are definitely over at this period of time. Hot tag to the Stinger, who comes in and hits a bulldog on all of them. And then Conan comes back in and hits his X-Factor um, face buster. Uh, then the Tequila Sunrise before Hennig makes the save. Conan but does come back with a roll-up and picks up the 1-2-3 in a very weak ending to a match that probably just didn't really have enough time to get going. They should have cut one of the earlier matches and given this a bit more, in my opinion. Pretty weak ending to an overall decent enough show. Uh, it wasn't too bad at all. Um, Hall was basically selling, stood up next to the pinfall as well and didn't attempt to break it up, so that didn't really help. It was like he was doing the old um, video game groggy stand where you can't move and the opponent's got you at their will to do their finisher. This ends the show, so Thunder, first episode of Thunder I'd ever watched in my life, so really good to see that as well. Um, actually, Heat, for that matter, was the first episode I'd ever watched of that in my life as well, so really enjoyed getting these two shows in the books. Now there's only one thing left to do, and that's pick a winner. So, to go through our categories as per usual, uh, the first one we're going to look at today is production value, and on this one, I'm giving a very, very narrow win to the WWF. I just felt their show looked newer and fresher, and Thunder does a few things that I'm not particularly fond of, particularly cutting sort of promos off to the side of or on the ramp um, doesn't look all that great because it's not an especially big ramp. They don't have the big stage top at the top of it that WWF does. Um, but yeah, both of them could have done better, particularly with the commentary swaps. I feel really aren't done in a way that enhances the product at this point in time. I don't think I've, I'm going to explain that too well, but it doesn't come across great to me. For characters, I went with a tie as I felt both of them gave you probably 80% of their big names on the shows. Um, you didn't get matches from all of them, but this is the second show on TV, so I wouldn't expect that. But they both did keep them pretty strong at this point in time. We're certainly not at the period where it's dropping off in that regard yet. For storyline advancement, I went to WCW. I felt they pushed more stories. Granted, their show is twice as long, um, but that being said, they did have more of their product was to enhance storylines. Not all of it was good, particularly the Chavo Guerrero, Stevie Ray stuff, and um, Saturn and Raven's flock is not really a, a high-level storyline either, but they advanced their main event for Road Wild to keeping the um, WCW, um, sorry, not WCW, the NWO, Red and Black, and 
white, black and white feud going. They're talking about Goldberg and building towards him and the Giants. So definitely storyline advancement all through. Even Meng and, and Duggan is to further the Meng Barbarian storyline, as crap as it might be. Whereas over in the WWF, they did um, announce two matches for the next night's Raw, being the IC title number one contender match and the tag title matches, but a lot of filler around that on the show. When it comes to crowd heat, I went with a tie. I feel like both crowds were really into the shows they were given and enjoyed seeing a lot of the big names, so not much to split them there, which really brings us down to match quality. And for this one, I actually went with the WWF. I felt as though D'Lo and Ken Shamrock, and particularly the uh, main event, Kane and Mankind against the Rock and Owen Hart, was better than most of the stuff on WCW. Certainly nothing on the WWF was as bad as Meng Duggan or even the Giant and Lismark Jr., to be fair. Um, Stevie Ray and Mongo wasn't particularly good. Hoovian Psychosis was decent, but not long enough, and the main event was far too short for Thunder, so... I felt like they probably just crammed too many matches on and they should have given more time to one or two of the quality ones, particularly the main event or Disco Inferno and Eddie Guerrero. But overall, a very, very close contest and a narrow win to the WWF and Sunday Night Heat. This is two shows I really did enjoy watching though, so I'm going to continue down this path and sort of intermittently throw these ones in the mix. Um, Coming up, in the next few weeks, there should be quite a few shows coming out. Um, I've got to re-record part of my... Um, Impact and Raw show with Duncan where we had some technical difficulties. We're going to go right back into the 80s with Richie and myself very soon and as well as the second episode of Heat and Thunder coming to you soon. We also have the next episode of Raw and Nitro which puts us closer to the next set of pay-per-views so I'll be getting in touch with Carl very soon to organize that. So lots and lots and lots of shows coming up. Lots of different wrestling from different eras and different companies. So if there's anything I'm missing and you think you'd like to hear about, give me a shout. Otherwise, thank you all for listening again can catch me in all the usual places if you know someone that's willing to give me a five-star review i'd love them forever so encourage them to do so and i'll speak to you all again soon